Hi, I'm Olivia Smart, and you are listening to This Week in Skating. everyone welcome to our podcast i'm daphne and i'm gina and this is this week in skating today we are excited to welcome olivia smart to this week in skating with her ice dance partner adrian diaz olivia represented spain at the 2022 winter olympics in beijing olivia and adrian were also three-time world competitors three-time spanish national champions the 2021 Skate Canada International Bronze Medalist, and four-time Challenger Series Medalist. Prior to skating for Spain with Adrian, Olivia represented Great Britain with partner Joseph Buckland. They were four-time British Junior Champions. In December 2022, it was announced that Olivia would be teaming up with the German ice dancer Tim Deke. And this winter, Olivia participated in Jane Torval and Christopher Dean's Dancing on Ice with her celebrity partner, Niall Wilson, an Olympic bronze medalist gymnast. They were crowned the champions during the season finale a few weeks ago. So we want to welcome Olivia to This Week in Skating. Welcome. Hi, Olivia. Hi. Hi, everybody. It's a pleasure being here. And I just loved hearing my biography then. That was fun. <laughs> We're getting very good at writing biographies. That was good. You had a lot of things we wanted to mention, which means we have a lot of things we want to talk to you about, too. Yeah. Hey, fire away. I'm excited. <laughs> so what happened? So let's just kick it off with how did you get started in skating? Like, what is your story? Goodness. Well, being from the UK, it's not the most popular sport. Of course, Jane Torvald and Christopher Dean have ruled the skating world in the UK. But for myself and my family, it was never something that ran in the family. Um, but in the UK, figure skating party parties are a big thing for birthdays and Friday, Saturday evenings as like a young teen. Um, so I would go with my older cousin. Um, but I was really young at the time, around eight, nine years old. So my safety was a concern to my parents. So in order for them to let me go comfortably, they wanted me to do some lessons just to make sure I was safe. So then those lessons I really enjoyed. And a few coaches from my home rink, Ice Sheffield, noticed me and tried to tell my parents that they should push me into skiing a little bit more. So I blame my parents. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I, uh, yeah, it was never a family sport. And I just came around that I loved performing on the ice. I've always been an off ice dancer and a sporty kid. But then when it came to ice skiing, I uh, fell in love with the performance side of it and was doing freestyle for a while, of course, learning the jumps and tricks and spins. But I was a, I was a little showgirl. I would sing along to my music all the time. I would be flicking my hair around. I'd always be smiling, have my mouth open. So that's where the transition to ice dance happened. And the rest is history. (laughs) (laughs) 
most of the time, it's not you're blaming your parents for something. I know with me, when I started skating, it was I wanted to skate. So I said, I want skates. Let me take lessons. But you hear you're blaming your parents for starting (laughs) skating. Um. So, yeah, it's never something I I didn't see an ice rink. And I was like, I want to go skating. I actually think um, I was really into the more of the school sports so like football hockey all those things and like I said ice skating isn't huge in the UK compared to the US and Canada so a little different yeah there's a lot of attention put on it I know mm-hmm. in the US and yeah both countries as well North America mm-hmm. it's not as popular as it once was but it's still an activity that you know kids do it's fun my nieces have stayed away from it and <laughs> I think my brother because he knows that I go to the competitions and and has been exposed to it, I think he knows that it's a very expensive sport. And so he's kind of been steering his kids in a different direction. So <laughs> I don't blame him. So after your partnership with Joe um, ended, how did you get started skating with Adrian? Um, so when my, my partnership with Joe ended unexpectedly, um, and I was so new into the world of ice dance, so I didn't really know. And when I even partnered up with Joe, I, didn't, I don't even know how I got partnered up with him. I wasn't looking for a partner. I just tried for it for fun. And then <laughs> moving to the US and competing. So everything happened very naturally for me without me even wanting to do it or try it. So when it came to mine and Joe's partnership ending, I was like, oh, my gosh, what what does one do now? Like how do I find another partner? Like, how does this work? Of course, learned about partner search, tried that. Um, But as we all know, the skating world is quite small. And we know a lot of the skaters as friends, competitors. So I knew of Adrian and Sarah when they were competing. We competed against each other at the European Championships, if I'm not mistaken. Um... So then I was looking for a partner. I was skating on my own for a little while in Detroit, Michigan, where I had just relocated to with Joe before our partnership ended. Um, And I'm not going to lie, I was losing a little bit of hope. And I was just thinking like, okay, like live my life in another way. My skating was still my priority, but I was just training on my own, but I didn't have the same passion I had with Joe and without a partner. But it wasn't until... um, Adrian and Sarah had announced their partnership had ended. And one of my close friends, John Luke Baker, uh, messaged me or called me instantly. It was like, hey, 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 Adrian and Sarah Hurtado have split. Like, message him now. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, this post just went up like an hour ago. I'm going to wait a little bit. He's like, don't wait. It's like, no, go for it. So I'm like, gosh. Okay. So I messaged him the same day their partnership had ended. Um the eager beaver I am um and he responded the day after and just said thank you for your message like give me some time of course because I'd literally just throw myself into the deep end um and then long story short I ended up setting up a tryout in Montreal where he was training with Sarah uh I came here for a tryout was here for a week stayed with Adrian and Maddie themselves they took great care of me and then as they as he dropped me back off at the airport to leave, he asked me, okay, do you want to move here? I was like, okay, looks like I have a new partner and I've got to 
pick everything up from Detroit, where I'd literally just moved to, to Montreal. And yeah, that partnership happened also very spontaneously. And eight years down the line, I've reached um, one of my biggest goals. So yeah. See, I don't think I heard that story about John Luke, you know, bringing you two together. Yeah, yeah, I thank him often for this. <laughs> Maybe John Luke has a future in putting pairs together and partners, you know, teams together. <laughs> He's good at pushing his friends in the right direction. Just say that. <laughs> so, about four years into your partnership, you had to deal with the disappointment of not. Well, because Spain had two ice dance teams. Because when Sarah and Adrian split, they each got a new partner. So there were two ice dance teams in Spain, only one Olympic spot. And 2018, it went to Sarah and Kirill. So what was dealing with that disappointment? Um, How did you deal with that? Gosh, yeah, 2018 was a big, big year for me when I look back at it. Um dealing with not making the olympics it was tough because it wasn't it wasn't just the fact that we didn't make the olympics it was the reasoning of why we didn't make it i think was what made it so well just disappointing um because politically things didn't go to go great for us we there was two competitions that were totaled up and the highest of those competitions goes to the Olympics. And unfortunately, one of those competitions, um, there was a bit of a scandal with a judge who was caught cheating. And it was in our event. And there was just a lot of drama there that that happens in the ice dance political world, unfortunately. Um, But as that competition was one of our Olympic qualifying competitions, it affected our scores and it affected everything a little bit. But then on top of those two competitions, it was also a Spanish nationals. So at the second competition, we skated great at both, but got a higher score at the second competition where there was no drama. Um, and then the Spanish nationals, we actually ended up winning. So knowing things kind of could have gone to plan if it wasn't for the extra added drama knowing we could have gone to the Olympics was the hardest part, but it was so out of our control that we'd just gone out and we'd done our job. We'd done the skating part, but the rest was out of our control. And that's where it hurt the most, I think. Um, to know as well that you just won your nationals comp- competition for your country and you don't get to go to the Olympics for that country. It, it was weird. Um, but the lessons I learned from that experience are crazy. Um, even even the hardest part of it all was watching everybody from I am, our friends and training mates, go to the Olympics and you stay home. Knowing you could have been there was the, the most heart-wrenching part. Um, I also went through a breakup like a week before the Olympics also. So that was just like... You know, I would say they say things happen in threes. I was like, okay, what else is coming? <laughs> yeah, that's hard. That's like mm-hmm. two different emotional roller coasters mm-hmm. culminating at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just all came at the same time, and it was a really rough period for me, 2018 in general. 
But whoever didn't go to the Olympics was going to Worlds. So that was a nice little backup thing for us, something to look forward to to finish our season off. So I took some time, went home during the Olympics, you know, to take my mind off things and not be in the bad energy. Um, and then came back to Montreal with a clear head, was training for Worlds uh, in Milan and ended up finishing our season off with a bang. We had the absolute best time at the World Championships. Um, and that was our first World Championships as a team, actually, because same situation as the Olympics, there's only one spot for Worlds. There was only one spot for Worlds each year, so it was back and forth. So that was a bonus getting go to like getting to go to Worlds and it helped me, you know, forget about the Olympics and everything there. But we both knew we had another goal for the next Olympics. We knew we weren't going to be done there. So that's where we looked at the next four years with a very different mindset and um, taking on the growth and experiences from that disappointment forward with us just to motivate us and fuel us more as a team. And it did because you did go to Beijing mm -hmm. in 2022. Finally. <laughs> <laughs> Probably the strangest Olympics in history because of COVID and all the precautions. However, you did you did go and finish pretty well. Yeah. It it the four years the pulse cycle itself, the Olympic cycle was a a bumpy roller coaster. Uh, I think our year after the Olympics twenty in twenty eighteen we had like our rhythm dance was our strong suit, but our free dance was failing us a little bit. So we had a rough season that go, uh, missed out on the world championships the year that year, uh, but got to go to our first Europeans together. Um, year after Greece and Sad Clown Love Story, two str really strong programs that actually fueled us forward, um, got us qualified for Europeans and Worlds in Montreal. Then COVID happened. So Worlds in Montreal, one Worlds, we were like, yay, we made it, <laughs> got cancelled. <laughs> So those, the the Olympic season, like um, quad running up to Beijing was, like I said, a bumpy roller coaster. Um, but yeah, then finally made it post-COVID, made the Olympics, it being the most unique Olympics possible, being in China during COVID, doing 10,000 COVID tests just to even get there. Um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it for the world. Like I, I kind of like the fact that it's a unique Olympics. The Olympics is unique in its own way, but to say, you know, I went to an Olympics during a global pandemic. That's a cool story. <laughs> um, but just that experience, even if it wasn't the full, full shebang with the crowd and whatnot, it still was so life-changing for me. Um, so I can't even imagine what it's like with a crowd, friends, family, no masks. Um, but like I said, I made my goal. It was unbelievable. And to be there with my group of people, my training mates, um, that was my family at the Olympics. So it made it, it made it really special. What was your favorite moment from the Olympics? Um, oh goodness. I'd say, I'd say the opening ceremony had a big, big impact on me. Um, but then I think it was actually post free dance, um, just after Gabby and Guillaume and Maddie and Zach had got off the podium, 
the whole of I am and the coaches were together by the boards and just the love and relief and just the energy that was in that group during that moment was so special. Um, And I'll look back at those pictures to this day and they're just uh, something I'll remember forever. Um, Yeah, everybody, it was a tough, it was a tough way of just getting to China for the Olympics because of the COVID. So when we'd actually got there, competed, everybody competed well and was happy. Like just everybody let this beautiful energy off and we're all together. And I think that was one of my most special moments from the Olympics. And added on to that, actually, um, free dance score, uh, getting our personal best at the Olympics in the free dance was like, my reaction was genuine shock. I, I've been wanting, I watched competitors on, uh, I've watched competitors for years, get the score they've always wanted or not expected and have those big reactions. And I never thought I would kind of have that. And then to have that at the Olympics for the free dance was unbelievable. And there's a picture of me like with my arm in the air, with my mouth wide open screaming. And it's like the pic, <laughs> a picture I will cherish forever. It's uh, that was a really special moment as well. Well, I want to say your free dance last season was one of my favorites. I really enjoyed your Zorro free dance. So tell me a little bit about how that came about. How did you guys decide to do Zorro and why was it such a good program for you guys that uh, last season? Um, Zorro came about quite randomly, actually. We were really struggling to find free dance music. We had our rhythm dance music set, sold, choreographed, and we were still looking for free dance music. Adrian and I had done every, well, not every style, but like a lot of different styles each year. We'd done romance, blues, clown story, uh, contemporary. We were like, okay, like we need to try something. And we still hadn't found our niche at this point. Like our, mm-hmm. yeah, you, you'd say you have like a style or a niche in ice dance. Adrian and I had never found, uh, never found that. We were just always trying different things. Um. So when it came to finding freelance music, Olympic season, we're like, hey, this needs to be special. We'd always talk about doing a Spanish or flamenco routine at some point in our career. But then we had tried to avoid that because Sarah and Kirill, the other Spanish mm-hmm. team, did do a lot of flamenco Spanish routines and they were really good. And we didn't want to put two Spanish routines head to head. Um, And we wanted to keep being different. But then... We were at the gym one day and our trainer at the time um, made a joke and said like, oh, why do you guys skate to the Mask of Zorro? He's like, I watched that movie last night. And Adrian, you you look like Antonio Banderas. I'm like, <laughs> well, I don't, look, I don't look. Okay, sure. But um, that joke just stayed in my head the rest of that night. So I was like, eh you know what, I'm going to go home. And I listened to the soundtrack when I got home. And of course, everyone knows the music from The Mask of Zorro. It's one of the most, well, it's one big skating piece of music. It's fantastic. But of course, you try to avoid music that's being used a lot. But then when I was listening to the soundtrack, it crossed my mind. I'm like, gosh, I haven't heard this in Ice Dance, though, in a very long time. I was like, especially my generation, I was like, I've really not heard it. Like in freestyle is a bit more common and also it's older. So it's been a while. 
I was like, hmm, this actually could be really good. And I was listening to our massive speakers and just the feeling I got while listening to it, I was like, gosh, this could be really good. So Adrian and I discussed it a bit and we liked the idea. Um, and of course, the storyline of The Mask of Zorro is a romance story as well. Um, so we thought, perfect, we can really base it off the strong fire side of the music and the romance side as an ice dance couple. Um, so took it into the coaches everybody was really on board of it and thought it was a good vehicle and everybody knows the music. It's a crowd pleaser and it's just the way we constructed it from then on. That's what would be our moving vehicle. The only person that wasn't sold on it was uh, Patrice at the time, which actually I found so funny because I went up to him and opened my mouth and went, Patch, what do you think of our new music? And as soon as I said it, I knew I was asking the wrong question and I shouldn't have asked. Um, and he was like, do you want my honest opinion? And I remember Adrian being like, no. And I'm being like, yes. Um, and he's like, I think it's really cheesy. And I'm like, right. Okay. What, what does, what does that mean? He's like, just, it's, it's cheesy. He's like, I, I could see it working for you guys, but is it the right vehicle? I don't know. But then he shifted the conversation to, but Tessa and, when Tessa and Scott came to me with me and Marie with Moulin Rouge Olympic year, they said the same thing, but they were so determined and confident that it would work for them. And they made it work for them, clearly. Mm -hmm. so I said, if you feel like it is the right thing, stick with it and be confident with it. He's like, this is your, cho your choice. I was like, okay. All right, got it. And I think we did exactly what, well, what Tessa and Scott did. They knew it could work for them and they made it work for them. And that's exactly what we did. And it became a vehicle that people jumped on board with instantly. And I was, we were so shocked, so shocked. But the excitement of the routine throughout with the way we placed the music, the sound effects, everything, it just worked as a whole. And yeah, let, let's just say a very unexpected, um, memorable routine for us and for a lot of skating fans. Yeah, because I think the way you presented it, everyone, I think when they think Mask of Zorro, they think red and black or just black. And you came out in that green dress, that beautiful dress, mm -hmm. and it was unexpected for this music. And I think that mm -hmm. added to the excitement that fans had about the performance because the packaging was just not the conventional red and black. It was just different. And mm -hmm. I think that definitely helped. I like adding my own flair to a lot of things um, that I think is right for me, which is hard sometimes because you do have, you know, the ear of people, the mouth of people saying like, why is she not wearing a red dress? Why is she not wearing a black dress? And I did doubt it for a while but I stuck with it because the good comments I was getting were fantastic. Um, so yeah, I liked adding, adding our own little twist to it. I was like, if we're going to do it anyway, we do have to make it a little different. Um, so even with the sound, like the sound effects, like I was like this, I've never really heard this before. Um, so yeah, it just ended up being a program that we both fell in love with and worked so hard on. But like like you said, like added our own little flair to things. And I'm I'm glad we did that because we made it our own. And 
uh, I'm, I hope and I'm glad a lot of people will remember that program for a long time. I think they will, because even though folks probably look at Greece as being like your signature program, for me, it's the Mask of Zorro, because I think it was like a punctuation mark, like an exclamation point. I mean, top 10 at Worlds in the Olympics. That's just fantastic. Mm -hmm. First team to finish that high for Spain. It's incredible. Yeah. Very, very cool moment. We were actually, our goal going into the Olympics was to get an Olympic diploma. So, but Adrian and I thought that was top 10. So when we finished the free dance and we'd finished eighth, we were over the moon because we were like, our goal is top 10. Like we could have finished 10th and I would have been over the moon. We finished eighth, which is huge history for history for Spain uh, and everything but then it wasn't until after freelance we realized you only get a the Olympic diploma is only till eighth place so we were like oh we did it <laughs> <laughs> so imagine if we got in 10 food we like, oh we didn't get an Olympic diploma but we did both so I, it was just one after another of uh, achievements for us and you know what we went to that season we've just you know what what we learned from 2018 is like we just got to go out and skate and the rest is completely out of our control like completely and that's what we did every single competition we did we went out and skated and we made our mark on the ice and it paid off so well and it's made me look at how I approach competitions differently in the future as well um and just having less expectations, goals, of course, but less expectations um, and results and surprises will come. Is it an actual like diploma that you get? I've never yeah, heard of like this diploma. Olympic diploma. So that's new to me. I didn't know there was such a thing. Yeah, it's in a, it's in a tube, uh, an Olympic diploma wrapped up. I can't lie. I still haven't framed it and it's still upstairs in that tube. I've just been so busy <laughs> since then. Um, but I do want to frame it and put it up. And that is my, that is my CV. That is my biggest <laughs> achievement. So oh. after the Olympics, you go to Worlds. Again, top 10 finish. Highest for a Spanish team. And then Adrian decides to retire. What has the process been like for you? Did you consider retiring? Or, I mean, what did, what went through your mind as far as what to do next? Uh, okay, what went through my mind was, what? Oh my God. Because I um, unfortunately was um, quite blindsided by Adrian's retirement. Um, there'd been a few questions over the whole season from myself to Adrian of, is this going to be our last season? I'd like to know, you know, make a plan, see what I'm doing afterwards, or just to know as well um but he wasn't comfortable with answering that question because he told me he didn't know um and that was beginning of the season and then post olympics between olympics and worlds i asked the same question and just because respectfully i would have liked to have known if if world was going to be my last time on the ice because i had already said as well in the past in interviews and to adrian that i don't think i would get another partner so if that was my last time on the ice with Adrian, it would be my last time on the ice overall. So I just would have liked to have known for myself. But then 
when I asked him between Olympics and Worlds, he said he still didn't have an answer for me. Um, and he did he he didn't know. So then something in my brain just clicked of, oh, he can't be retiring then. Like he would have told me um because I just nicely asked. Um so he uh so I went into worlds with doubts and unfortunately didn't enjoy worlds the fullest because I was full I was 50 50 it was weird every interview we had was Adrian are you retiring because Maddie was retiring and it was really difficult for me to fully be present because I was just thinking about that um and then uh he actually told me he was retiring a few hours after the free dance at Worlds and exactly as you asked my reaction was wait what um I didn't even have time to process what had just happened and the season that we just had, the achievements we'd made. Um, so my initial thought process was panic. I was like, uh, um, panic and sadness. I was just like, what's next? What am I doing? Like, it all just hit me way harder than I expected. But because I th- because I was thinking he- it wasn't going to happen. Um, so then post worlds, I had, um, zero plans. I was going to go on vacation with my other half at the time and then come back to Montreal and stuff. But I, um, personally just took it really, really bad and decided to go home to family for a while and being that safe space, um, took myself on a three week vacation all on my own to Panama just to reflect and just kind of let things go a little bit. Um, And then headed back to Montreal, had meetings with the coaches, with Adrian, had our farewells, which was really difficult. Um, And yeah, was just left in just such an unknown space um, because I'd literally just reached the peak in my career and lived honestly the biggest point of my life and now I felt like I just hit rock rock bottom within a matter of weeks um so it was really tough I'm not gonna lie um so I did keep skating a little bit when I got back to Montreal um but as it was when I was looking for a new partner before Adrian I really didn't get the pleasure from skating on my own enough to keep me going keep me motivated and I wasn't sure why I was why I was skating still because I wasn't sure if I was going to get another partner. I wasn't sure what my next steps were. Um, so I kept busy in Montreal. Um, I was uh, working with some kids a little bit, coaching a little bit, just to see if I enjoyed that. But I always I'd always told myself I wouldn't be a skating coach, so that was difficult for me. But I did it just to stay busy as well. But I did really enjoy it. Um, started doing some little circus shows in Montreal just to try new things. Like it was a crazy summer. Um, yeah. And then it came to, of course, me looking for a partner, seeing if there was anybody out there that had potential or I would see myself skating with. Unfortunately, I had a really hard time with that and didn't really feel that motivated to try um, more and more looking for a partner. Um, so I traveled a lot. I 
started doing some work, um, venturing out into other interests because skating has literally been my life for the past, well, since I was 14 at this point. So yeah, so that transition was rather difficult. And I know a lot of athletes go through that, but I was never prepped for that myself. Um, so I learned a lot from that experience and that's something I'd like to open up about more and help other athletes from that transition of retirement to regular life. And of course, for me, I wasn't ready to say I'm retired because I wasn't planning on being retired. So I never let those words come out of my mouth and now they won't for a while. (laughs) Gina and I've talked about this on the podcast before off and on that you're right. There really are no resources to be able to help athletes or whatever there is. It's just not enough Mm -hmm. because it's a huge culture shock going from being so invested in one thing for so long and then realizing your life is going to be totally different. Mm -hmm. It's really difficult. And I think it's even harder too, as a partner, when you're in a team for one partner who you know, wants to end their career and another one that wants to keep going and not, you know, not really sure what each other wants to do until you guys have the conversation. So like you were kept asking Adrian and, and here you, you didn't know what he wanted to do and you were kind of blindsided by that. It's especially harder when it's, you know, when one skater decide they're by themselves, they decide this is it. It may, it's still not easy, but there's, it's just them they have to worry about where it's a team. It's two people who have different ideas and different goals and visions of what they want to do. Mm-hmm. It's like going through a breakup, yes. essentially. Yes, <laughs> it is. Like, it's not me. It's not you. It's me sort of situation. <laughs> so it's like overall, it was a big career um, questioning moment for myself. And uh, I was losing somebody that I spent a lot of time with um and gone close to so yeah it's 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 crazy but we we all have to go through it at some point of course a lot of people have an easier um outcome if the partnership ends together etc i know like maddie uh, maddie and zach announced that was their last season so they could fully enjoy it together and stuff but people handle it differently and mm-hmm. yeah i just hope that in the future there are more resources there and it's made me realize that I want to share more my story a bit more and my journey through it because it affected me so much. And I, I can class myself as quite a strong person. Um, but that, that did really, really crush me. So if I can open up about my story and the things I went through and make people known that it is normal and we all, may go through it um if i can even help a small percentage of people or athletes moving forward it's like that's one of my biggest goals now we should say you were only 23 when this happened correct mm-hmm. which a lot of ice dancers or a bunch of them are staying in ice dance until their early 30s at least you mm-hmm. still had a lot of career left that you could have mm-hmm. but it wasn't going to be with Adrian and you guys had built that momentum that season and it would set you up for the next year. Yeah. That's, I think that was also another thing that was difficult is like, 
of course, over the moon that we just had our like breakthrough year, but then also it had a backlash because I'm like, wait, we just had a breakthrough year, but now we're retiring. Like, huh? We've been trying to get here for so long. <laughs> um, yeah, it was the timing just was not great overall. Um, and we did discuss a few years ago about doing another season after the Olympics. So that was always in the back of my mind that that was what we were going to do. So when it did come to him retiring when he did, I was like, wait, I'm so confused. Um, but he had other goals. He had other things he wanted to do. And he was satisfied with what we'd done. Um, it's just sad that we couldn't experience and see what we could have achieved this past season with having our breakthrough year. There could have been more medals there, more competitions. Um yeah, and also it was hard for me to go through what we were going through for the skating fans. Finally, we'd broke through and gotten top 10 at Worlds and the Olympics. Top 10 at Worlds means we have two spots for Spain. Mm-hmm. Finally, after eight years of this battle that skating fans have been following. Yes, very <laughs> invested. Finally, we get two spots and both Spanish teams retire. <laughs> No, you, just one. Well, you can't make this up. <laughs> no, I need to write a book about this because it's, it's, it's a sitcom. It's a comedy romance. I don't even know what it is. It's I, I look back in. I'm like, wait, what? Um, yeah. So to even just see how everything domino affected afterwards, um. I just felt so bad for the skating fans and the Spanish Federation that had just made this massive goal happen. And then us all be like, hey, bye. <laughs> Have a good day. We're out. <laughs> yeah. I, I, w- I said to the Spanish Federation, I was like, look, if I could carry two teams, if I could have a partner and carry another team with me, I would. I would. Also, Worlds was in Japan this past season. That's just happened. And I think I'm the only skater on the competitive circuit that's never been to Japan. Wait, you've never been to Japan? Oh, my goodness. No. And that was my one dream to go to Japan before my career ended. And I could have done a season after the Olympics and ended my career in Japan. And yeah, <laughs> so there was <laughs> a lot of things that I found rather difficult, but I can very happily laugh at now. Yeah. We need to get you to Japan. <laughs> yeah. I think it's harder in the moment. It's not just mental, it's emotional. Like there, and, and even mm-hmm. physical at some point to deal with these ch- big changes like that. It's, I have trouble dealing with change. I admit that mm-hmm. sometimes it's more, diff- sometimes more difficult than others, but Something on this grandiose scale, I mean, I can't even imagine yeah. having to process that. It was a, it was a, like I said earlier, it's a, it was a very, very challenging year for me. It, it was weird because, like I said, I reached my biggest dream and biggest goal in February. And then I felt like I hit rock, rock bottom in April. And it was just trying to climb a ladder back up from there. Um, so yeah, massive, massive year for me in good and bad ways. Um, 
and took a lot of work and courage to bring myself back out of the the dark place I was in. Um, and that was also through a lot of help from friends and family um, to, to help me break through. And then Dancing on Ice then became a thing. <laughs> Where the timeline goes, uh, I was just super lost and not knowing what I was going to do. And Dancing on Ice became something and has also changed me. So, yeah. So how did that come about? Dancing on Ice, uh, I actually reached out to Christopher Dean because I had heard he was doing some skating, ice dance schooling things in Sheffield, my hometown in the UK. And at this point, look, I was looking to stay busy, try something in the skating world that was new and make some money. So I reached out to Chris and he got back to me and just said, it's not really something he thinks I would be interested in or he thinks I could do something else. But he asked me if I'd be free for a call. So I had a call with him um, and I'm like, oh, I'm having a call with Christopher Dean himself. This is <laughs> this was nice. And I've known Chris for a while since I was younger, but never that much. Um, but it wasn't until I spoke to him, he straight up told me, Livia, you need to find another partner. He's like, you need to continue competing. And I was like, well, Chris, if only it was that easy. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> He he told me himself how shocked he was that Adrian had retired and how we weren't continuing because he also complimented us and said that we were one of his favorites from the past season, which made me feel so special. Um, So his only advice for me was have as many tryouts as I can. Just keep trying out with partners. I was like, right, okay. It's like, it's not really why I called, but... um. <laughs> If there's anything else work-wise that comes up, please let me know. Um, but I'll take your advice and we'll see what happens. So um, Mark Hanretti, one of the pro skaters on Dancing on Ice, and uh, one of my old coaches, um, I was talking to him at some point, not sure what about, but he mentioned that Dancing on Ice might have some space this next series. And if I'd be interested, he'd put, he'd put in a good word for me. So I was like, oh, sure, why not? Like not thinking anything would happen and anything would actually come out of it. And then next thing you know, he actually spoke to Chris, Christopher Dean about it because it's his show. So then the conversation went back to Chris and Chris and I had another call of, okay, so Dancing on Ice, would this something you'd be interested in? Said, yeah. I was like, do you recommend it? And Chris was very honest with me and said, course it's nothing like the olympics it's very different from what you've done in the past he's like but if you're not looking for a partner right now or if there's no guys there right there for you now he's like well then why not it's a tv show it's gonna get you good publicity he's like and it's good people so i ended up getting the contract through mark and chris himself and was not quite sure what i was signing up for but i signed it and I was like, well, I'm going to the UK for six months. So that was another bonus as well for me. It's I'm from the UK. That's where my home is, my family. So I was like, okay, I get to skate, be on a TV show and be close to family for the next six months. And after the year I'd had, I think that's what I needed 
needed to be close to home. I needed to be in that safe space. So I was like, I think this is going to be good for me. Um, I was skeptical, of course, because it's a very different world. Um, but there was something inside of me telling me, go do it. And yeah, I'm very did, glad I did. Did you watch the show before? Um, I had a little bit when I was younger, uh, when I was in the UK, but not religiously, but I knew what the show consisted of a bit. Um, and then I was going to ask too, um, how does it, how do you guys get picked with your partner? So how did you get partnered with Niall? Uh, the actual production, the show puts the skater and the celebrity together, um, based on personality, um, skills, background, et cetera. Um, so yeah, it's completely out of our control who we get put with. Yeah, but you two seem to really hit it off right from the start. I mean, I didn't get to watch the show, but based on your social media posts, you guys seem to really enjoy, uh, being together and being on the show together. Yeah, we, we did get quite lucky. We both really got along well. Um, we were both from Yorkshire, which is our background in the UK, which was a big, big help, but just like personality and friendship wise, we clicked right away and we've both made a friend for life out of it. It's, it's crazy. Like we couldn't imagine of being partnered with anybody else just because of how well we got along and how our friendship is going to be moving forwards. What was it like when they actually announced that you had won? Oh goodness. I wasn't sure if I was, I wasn't sure what I was signing up to with actually even doing the show. Asking me if I think I would win it? No. <laughs> so when we actually got to the final itself, that's where it became very real. And I was like, gosh, we could actually win this. And it'd be my first year on Dancing on Ice. And it was crazy. So then as an ice dancer, everybody knows the bolero is a big thing. Yes. And a very mm-hmm. historic absolutely and nobody would ever really skate to the music that's the bolero music in ice dance now because of jane and chris (laughs) there are some pieces of music that you just stay away from and that's one of them it's it's (laughs) not accepted yeah so the only time anybody would ever get to skate to the bolero is on dancing on ice so I think I was just like, oh my gosh, realizing like this is actually a really special moment as an ice dancer. Um, so doing that was a very, very special moment for me then. And Niall knew how special it was for me as well. And then to then go into the elimination part where we were waiting to hear who was winning and they said our names. I, I was already on cloud nine from what had just happened with the routines, never mind then winning. Um, but I don't think it was until I look at Niall himself and he's crying his eyes out and just the relief that he had from winning the show. And from day one, he wanted to win. <laughs> and yeah, just I think as well, I'm used to partnership. But watching somebody learn how to skate from scratch and achieving things that they couldn't even imagine of achieving and then going and then winning something that they're so new at. For me, it was watching somebody that I'd help grow and achieve something was the reason why I felt so much pride from lifting the trophy and winning with him. Um, Of course, for myself, it was a big deal, but like just watching him 
learn what he had and grew. And from his story as an athlete, like the pride I got from doing this show was immaculate. So lifting that trophy with him at one point, I just wanted him to hold the trophy and lift it himself. (laughs) But they're like, lift the trophy together. So honestly, it was a really, really special moment. And um, something me and him will never forget. And the trophy is at his apartment. I get this question a lot. Uh, We do have shared custody on it, but I do trust him with it a bit more than myself because I did have to travel back to Montreal. so yeah, something I never expected to be doing and to then I've gone on one with Niall. Um, yeah, I, I love the way my life path has gone to say it was in a very rough patch a year ago. It's It's crazy. Yeah, often people will say that time is the biggest help in dealing with the situation. And sometimes you get opportunities that you never expected coming out of that. And I think this is one of those times. Yeah, I'm a strong, strong believer in everything happens for a reason now. Yeah. Like, then, (laughs) right now, I understand why I I went through what I did and why I had to go through what I did to get to where Mm -hmm. I am now. Because if Adrian didn't retire, I wouldn't have done Dancing on Ice. And I wouldn't have met Niall. I wouldn't have met the people I have and gone back home and reconnected with family. There's there's a lot of things that would have been what if. Mm-hmm. So to see how everything has unfolded from even the harder parts, uh, it's really special. Gina, you were going to ask a question about Niall? Yeah, I was going to ask, is Niall going to keep on skating? The show's over. Is he going to still skate? <laughs> Uh, people asked him that post show, and he very confidently said, "Guys, I don't want to see an ice ice rink for a very long time." <laughs> oh no! He obviously achieved uh, everything he wanted to on the ice. You can't. Yeah, he did. You can't get much bigger than that. That trophy. Yeah. No. 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 Um, no he definitely won't be skating for a little while. Um, He's a very active guy, so he does have to keep doing things, mm. but he wants to venture out into other things um, for now and keep his feet out of some skates because he realized how painful they are sometimes. <laughs> That's um, true. Yeah, but I'm sure he'll be back on the ice eventually because he will miss it. But I think one thing that he said to me, which made me smile, he's like, I just love the fact that I'll be able to get on the ice with my kids in the future and I'll be able to skate. Mm-hmm. And I'm like... Yeah, that's actually really cool. <laughs> um, but no, I'm sure in the future as well, we'll both get back on the ice together for fun and maybe do some collaborations. I know he wants to learn a backflip on the ice. He wants to just push himself in those ways because he does have a, a pretty large following on YouTube and he does high stunts and everything. So I'm sure there'll be some collaborations and some fun stuff in the future with her, myself and him skating. And hope maybe introduce him into people in the competitive skating world. Well, speaking of YouTube and social media in general, did you ever get access to your Twitter account back? Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> uh, no, I made a new one. <laughs> no, I made. Yeah, I made a new one, actually. I actually thought you were going to ask about my Instagram because my Instagram got 
hacked and suspended before Christmas last year. I didn't know. I knew about the Twitter, though, yeah. because you were having trouble with yeah. that. The Twitter I gave up on um, and made a new one. So I'm going based off my new one and have been for a while now. Um, but it's not my biggest social media platform. Instagram is. And then, of course, right before Christmas, the TV show bases a lot on social media. So, like, you want to promote the show and stuff on, like, so I was so excited to get going with that. And then right before Christmas, my Instagram gets hacked and suspended literally two weeks before the show is about to air. So I'm like, oh, gosh, awful timing. Um, luckily, I ended up getting it back, like, four days before the show, but... No, I didn't get my Twitter back, but yeah, I forgot about that. I remember I was really desperate and people help me, blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah. And I know it's actually happened to Kirsten Towers recently, mm -hmm. who's a close friend of mine. She's just lost her Twitter account, which for skaters and skating fans, it's a big hub for what, it is. where we skate mm -hmm. and everything. So you don't realize what you're not what you're missing out on until you don't have it there yeah. and trust me experience that with my instagram before christmas yeah i've oh. taken a couple of social media courses and gone to some um some conventions actually and they tell you straight up when you go in with social media you do not own this platform at all you have your account but you're not the owner mm -hmm. it's this big entity above you it's really challenging. Um, I have a friend who has a podcast and he had over 10,000 likes on his podcast page. Facebook okay. took it all away and he can't get access to it. Oh. And that's, I mean, it just makes you think you got to be on multiple platforms mm -hmm. because one of them could go down and you need to remind people that you're on multiple platforms in case something happens. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's like, like I said, you don't realize how much it rules us until you don't have it as mm -hmm. well. Like yeah. For not just social media purposes, but contacting people. Mm -hmm. like we don't, I don't have half the people I contact on Instagram's phone numbers. Right. Then I'm right, like, yeah. hey, how, do I, how do I contact them? <laughs> it rules us. It really does. So let's talk. We have to talk about this. Gina and I were talking ahead of this podcast, like just before you logged on. We're like, did that get announced or how did we hear about it? I feel like it's out there. Are we going to see you next season? You are going to see me next <laughs> season. Yes. Um, and that's the first time I've actually confirmed that. Um, nothing has been announced from me personally due to still confirmation on logistics of countries um and that side of things but it was leaked over the christmas period that tim and i are going to be a new partnership we did some shows in germany um very low-key christmas market shows not thinking anything of it but it did get leaked into the press which then spreads rapidly like fire in the skating it world it does sure does yeah. <laughs> We couldn't avoid it, but we didn't actually put out any confirmation out there ourselves um, and still haven't. But that is our goal of moving forward to be a new partnership. Um, we're just waiting before we make any big announcement that things are solidified on our side um, logistically. 
but yeah, we um we clicked right away, and that that also came about so randomly for me. Um, but like I said, I wasn't ready to say I was retired. Um, and this is a way I'm gonna say I'm not retired for a little while longer. Great. Well, we are looking forward to seeing you back on the ice. The one thing I'm gonna say I'm a little disappointed is Sheffield. <laughs> you had a Grand Prix event, and unfortunately, that was the season you were not competing in. I know Japan and Sheffield. I'm like, are you kidding me? What else have you got? Throw it out. <laughs> Um, yeah, that was a shocker. I actually went to the Grand Prix to watch some of my friends compete in it because I was in the UK at the time with Dancing on Ice. Um, so I'm glad I got to be there and just see the event itself. Um, but Europeans in Sheffield 2026, Olympic years, <laughs> that is something that sounds really exciting and would be a goal of Tim and ours moving forwards. Yeah, so, we were so excited when yeah. Sheffield got the Grand Prix last year, just because we feel like the British fans don't get enough opportunities mm -hmm. to have an event like that held there. Yeah, And there are a lot of fans in the UK. Mm -hmm. yeah. They deserve yeah, the opportunity to see high-level events like this and draw more interest in skating, mm -hmm. so yeah. it's fantastic that the crowd pulled through as well. It was packed. It was a really, really good event. So I hope they get more events in the future and maybe I'll get to skate on home ice at a competition. That would be really cool. So are you guys training in Montreal? Yeah. Yeah, that will be our training base moving forwards. Um, now that the show's done, I've taken a break. I am back here now and slowly gonna start making my way back to olympic size ice instead of show ice <laughs> uh, and get some new skates that are white and get the ball rolling again yeah so is, has that... tim moved to montreal yeah tim has made the move to montreal as well um which is a big move for him but he's really excited and i think we're both just really grateful we're we have been given this uh, opportunity to continue skating and it was the same for him he wasn't sure what he was going to do next um and he had a few tryouts um and yeah it just worked out really well i did an interview for icedance.com with marco and selen recently mm -hmm. and they they both mentioned you and tim um and how, especially Marco said, you came to the hospital with him, like to be with him while he was there waiting for news and how much he appreciated that. It was really interesting to to get to interview them. But they, yeah, they brought you and Tim up a couple of times for your support That's during like, that. They're the sweetest couple. They're the sweetest little team. Um, yeah, and that... Even that moment, that was mine and Tim's first couple of weeks like together. Um, so when we were both at the rink and that had had the accident had happened, um, everyone was in full training mode because I think it was like right before competition or something. Right. Like, the season was yep. wrapping up. Tim and I, of course, were there for fun, training a little bit, nothing crazy. Um, and it just, it, yeah, we just took it into our hands of like, okay, hey, let's go and be with him because he's on his own. Um, 
And we, I'm so glad we could be there. It was a big moment for Celine and Marco. So to be able to have helped him, it was really necessary. And I've heard that they, he, they've brought our names up a few times. So that's that's really sweet of them. But look, I, we would do anything for our teammates and friends here in Montreal. Um, like once I couldn't be there with him at the time, my dog was actually in the hospital at the same time. So I was going between Marco and my dog, um, but Patch uh, left his family and came and replaced. So like we were all going back and forth. Um, but also that made us all really close, like closer as well. So Marco and Solon were new to the team and I'd been away a lot last summer. So it was good for me to be with him and get to know him there. And Tim and I as well to have taken on that role together um, as friends to go and help a friend um yeah it was really important and it was really special and just to see how Sullen and Marco have just the 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 steps they have taken since I saw them last then is remarkable I actually saw them both yesterday I haven't seen many people in Montreal yet as I wanted to like settle in baby steps um but I went to meet Tim for a coffee yesterday and Sullen and Marco were there so I saw her little face and just how she's a miracle. She's mm-hmm. such a miracle. Oh mm-hmm. This little Wonder Woman. She's so special and she's been really inspiring to a mm-hmm. lot of people. And yeah, yeah, it's it's incredible to see what they've gone through and how they've handled it. The both of them. There's been a, a lot of talk over probably the last five or six years, at least about the atmosphere and family vibe that's going on in Montreal mm-hmm. with all the teams. And I mean, how do you explain it? it? It's some cases, teams that are very competitive with each other are in this same environment. And yet it all seems genuinely a friendly environment that inspires, you know, good work and creativity. Mm-hmm. The, gosh, the Ice Academy in Montreal, I've been there now for about eight years, starting with Adrian. And when I moved there, it was nothing compared to what it is now. But even back then, you felt something special um, within the coaches and the skaters and just the friendship group that they had. But then the more people came on board, we didn't actually realize how many people were coming on board until you look at the picture at Worlds and you're like, wow, look how many we are. (laughs) It was just naturally flowing that these teams were joining the school and we just welcomed them with open arms and we'd all just get along. And I can't even say or admit that there's a certain thing the coaches do to make this family environment happen. It just it just has naturally happened for us all. It's it's crazy. Um, the city of Montreal it helps itself because it's a beautiful city. There's so much to do. So we always do it as a group. But we've, the coaches have just like opened up to us as coaches and as friends. So the environment on the ice is light and positive. Um, but they don't push their students together to be friends. It's just happened mm-hmm. because they've opened this welcoming, friendly environment. Like, the coaches themselves are coaches, business partners, even Roman's husband, Jamal, he's uh, a big cl- a big worker in I am like, they're all business partners, but they're all friends. And 
I think because our higher team are like that, it's made their students be like that as well, uh, naturally. Um, and it's just changed the way we look at comp competitions and competitors. Like, yeah, you're they're your competitors. You want to beat them, but you also want everybody to do well. And you know, at the end of a competition, you're all just going to go back to regular life, friendship, sitting, having dinner together. So it's honestly so special what they've built. And I know it's become a big thing over the past four or five years, but it's only happened naturally for them, really. Well, we really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us today um, and answer all of our questions. Mm -hmm. We like to wrap up our interviews with some fun questions that Gina can explain. Yeah, so I've come up with like six fun questions um, that we've been asking every skater that we've had on the podcast. Same questions. Um, and there's a little fun one at the very end that we have a little story be to tell that we've been telling everybody um, now about. But I'll start with the first one. If there was a movie about your life, who would star as Olivia? Margot Robbie. <laughs> All right. Good choice. <laughs> yeah. She's yeah. great. Yeah. She just done so many different roles. And I think just with how many experiences that are so different in my life, I think she would do it perfectly. <laughs> and you know what? She already has the experience of being in I, Tanya, So she yes. knows yep. about the skating yep. world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what is your most used emoji on your phone? Let me take a look. I think it is something to do with a heart. At the moment, it is the white heart emoji. Oh, okay. So I think I just send hearts to everybody. So <laughs> there we are. In a very loving mood. <laughs> okay, well, you're singing karaoke. What is your go-to song to sing? Oh, goodness. Um, something Whitney Houston. That's a good one. Yeah. So what TV show are you currently binging? Um, well, my TV remote at the moment is not working, so there's no TV binging happening at the moment. But I was watching a TV show called Last of Us. <gasps> yes. It's so good. Yeah. So good. So um, good. But I watch it on Sky HD in the UK, so I've got to find a way to be able to watch it back in Montreal. <laughs> Such a great show. It's based on a game, like a video game. And then yeah. it's one of the best adaptations, at least. I have some gamer friends that have said they've never seen an adaptation like this that has been wow. so true to the game. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's so good. And Niall was actually the one that told me to watch it. So, yeah, it's really good. I have to say, Daphne, I think you've seen every show that the skaters bring up and here I'm like, uh, I haven't heard that one or, Oh, that one's new to me. You really have seen every show a skater mentions. I just love like the creepy shows or the complex ones. The ones that have like the high production value, like game of Thrones or uh yellow jackets mm -hmm. or the handmaid's tale or um, the last of us. I just like those shows. I feel like the effort <laughs> is put in to create fantastic TV, like not just the sets or the acting, but all the little elements like the music and other pieces. And Last of Us has all that. <laughs> yeah, it does. 
Well, I know you went to Panama, but what country haven't you visited yet that's on your list of places that you want to visit? Japan. <laughs> I, I should have known that before I asked that question. Before you asked it, I was thinking she's going to say Japan. She's yeah. got to. Honestly, no other country comes to mind yet, but Japan for sure. You must have heard from everyone about how amazing it is to be there and how the fans are so supportive mm -hmm. i think we saw that with last world and just the culture and the environment there it just seems it so looks, incredible like it looks like a dream <laughs> but the arena from what i saw at worlds i was like oh gosh i want to go maybe one day maybe one day one day you'll get there so this last question has uh it's been interesting because people <laughs> have had trouble answering it one person in particular, Jason Brown, couldn't answer it. He It took him a couple of months. So we saw him, like, at, interviewed him in November. We saw him in January, and he had answer for Gina. If you were stuck on a deserted island with three figure skaters, past or present, who would you want to be stuck with? And this could be to get off the island or not. You could just be having a party there. Oh, no. <laughs> I might have my answer, though. Um... <laughs> Okay. Three skaters. <laughs> My answer is so weird. Adam Rippon. That's not weird yeah. at all. He's, no. He's, he's so much fun. <laughs> yeah. Adam Rippon. Um, John Luke Baker. I knew you were going to pick him. <laughs> I just had a feeling. And if I could put them as a pair, which they are technically a pair... Laurence and Nikolai. All but right. if I had to choose one out of the two of them, it might have to be Laurence because she just seems like she would take care of us. <laughs> <laughs> Those are But if great. I could put Laurence together, that's them. I feel like we could make so an exception. We can, yeah. They're a we'll pair. make an exception. <laughs> yeah, so they're the three people that come to my mind now. And honestly, I th I thought I'd have a blast on the island with those three. <laughs> I think you would too. Yeah, and I think yeah. I think <laughs> we got Adam and John Luke. I think Anthony we've got might them have said them too. Yeah, they're popular. <laughs> yeah, I want to know if someone's ever said me. Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. But you know what? If <laughs> if they do, Olivia, we'll let you know. Perfect. Tell them I can teach them how to swim. All right. I'm not That's sure. important on a deserted island. You need to be able to go out in the water. Mm -hmm. It's important. I love that question. That was really good. <laughs> it's got, it's, you know, it was a question I kind of came up with and it's been a lot of fun to see how you guys have been thinking it through and laughing about yeah. it. So um, you guys have all been great sports. Everyone has been a great sport with that yeah. question. So it's just a fun, lighthearted way to end the podcast mm -hmm. yeah so yeah i like it so we want to thank olivia for being on this week in skating with us gina can you let folks know where they can find us you can find us at our website it's thisweekinskating.com on social media and we're on all of the social media accounts in case one of them gets hijacked at any point hopefully not Twitter at this WK in skating and then Facebook and Instagram this week in skating. We love your feedback or your questions. If you have a question for Olivia that we can pass along to her, definitely let us know via email or social media. You can email us at this at gmail.com. 
We appreciate all the support that we've received doing this podcast. We have some fun things planned for season two, which, well, let's face it, the skating season never really ends. Nope. But we're considering May the start of season two. So we've got some great things planned. So stay tuned for that. But with that, we have reached... And with that, we've reached the end of our episode. Thanks for listening. I'm Daphne. And I'm Gina. And you've been listening to This Week in Skating. Have an ice week! <laughs>